Welcome to the Government Technology Insider podcast series. I'm your host, Matt Langan. While there's a lot of talk about artificial intelligence in the public sector, some agencies have yet to take a deep dive into exactly what this technology can bring to their workforces. And today we're speaking with Cal Vorgumati, who is a senior fellow and vice president at Equinix, and Scott Anderson, who's a distinguished solutions architect at Verizon. We'll be discussing how AI has evolved over the years and what challenges organizations are facing when it comes to implementing AI solutions and much, much more. All right. And Cal and Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi. Thanks for having me, Matt. Thanks for having us, Matt. Sure thing. Absolutely. And let's jump right in on the high level. So how have artificial intelligence solutions evolved over the years? And what are the three generations of AI? And perhaps we'll start with Cal on this one. Sure, Matt. So AI has been around with us since, I would say, 1940s and 50s. Historically, in the first generation of AI systems, the expert, the subject matter expert, would actually specify the rules explicitly about how a system should behave. But those systems were brittle because things you cannot just ahead of time think of all the possible rules and corner cases that you need to cover. So then what happened is that second generation of AI kind of picked up steam, basically in the era of big data. So once we started collecting a lot of data, people, because of sensors, you know, iPhones and you name it, people then started to use statistics and statistical analysis techniques. And also another key development that happened is that GPUs, which were historically for graphic cards, right, they repurposed them for AI. And the combination of big data and use of GPUs and also clouds kind of democratized AI by making these, you know, large uh, compute forms and algorithms available, you know, at a click of a button to high school kids. So now suddenly, you know, AI has started to, you know, percolate and be pervasive in every aspect of our life. But there is a problem still. And that problem is that most companies don't have all the data that they need to build accurate AI models within their four walls. So AI now in the third generation AI is basically where companies have to collaborate or work together in order to get all the data that they need. And so there is a lot of need for governance. Otherwise, people are hesitant to share their data because AI is like the precious jewels, right? So they don't want to share their data and have the receiver use it in unauthorized ways. So now we are entering the era of third generation AI, and I think governance and sharing and distribution will be very key. Excellent. Thank you so much, Cal. Great insights there. Scott, anything to add to that one? Well, yeah. First of all, I kind of want to, you know, add the fourth generation, which I know doesn't exist today, but is coming. And that's when an AI responds to a unique variable within a solution set and creates a new AI on its own to solve a new problem, which is, is my view of what's coming someday. You know, when we think about the impact of AI and kind of what AI is doing, you know, we really go back to that that beginning and Cal nicely laid it out. I won't go through the full history, but if you think about AI in the stages of, first of all, it's automation, right? The very first thing is let's automate things. Let's make things better. If you think about, you know, the automation processes that really were the most successful in the beginning, you know, they were always replacing human beings because sometimes humans make mistakes. Machines don't necessarily make mistakes unless you consider the fact that a human being created them and 
might have put a mistake in it. But, you know, the reality is for the most part, the machine is able to build the solution without making the mistakes that a human normally would, right? So the first thing, let's automate. You know, the next thing is let's try to solve some issues, right? Many years ago, I was sitting in a government forum and, and a director of an agency that if it existed, wouldn't be out in public, but he was out speaking and, and he said, you know, the problem is that the definition of big data is wrong. The definition of big data is any amount of data that overwhelms the system that's taking it on. So as you think about, you know, kind of what does AI allow us to do, AI allows us to actually create a more broadly spread approach towards the concept of solving AI or solving big data problems. We can begin to chunk data. I love the fact that if you look at, you know, IoT in the world last year, IoT devices created more than a zettabyte of data, but less than half of that data was used. And the reason is that we're getting smarter and smarter. And while it is absolutely delightful to have a 16-hour video of your front door in your security system, the reality is you don't need 16 hours. All you need is the 30 seconds when somebody wedges your front door open and enters your house. That's all you care about, right? That's the reality of that video is, you know, you need 32 seconds. You don't need 16 straight hours. So we've gotten smarter and better in the data age as we enter that third phase, you know, that next component of AI. And that's where I think you're going to see some fairly significant changes. You know, if you look at how networks operate today, the concept of application-aware routing is kind of that first implementation of AI. I am aware that this application is critical within the organization. If you think about how applications operate, some users are going to be more critical. My favorite example is, you know, there's an ambulance barreling towards a hospital, right? Well, the beauty of 5G, that ambulance is live connected with no latency to the hospital. So the doctors have real-time information about what's going on in the back of that ambulance. What is happening to that patient? What are the impacts of what's being done to that patient? So when that ambulance actually pulls into the bay and they roll the gurney out, the doctors are prepared, right? They already know the course of action and treatment for the particular problem of that patient. That's the real-time reality. And what we're going to be able to do now with AI is begin the concept of even filtering the information because today there's information that that doctor doesn't need. So let's build an AI infrastructure that allows us to filter that operation. So not only is that doctor real-time informed, as it is today, but then the next iteration, they're going to be informed about what needs to happen directly for that patient. We're going to already know kind of loosely what's there. So, you know, to steal the line from the song, the future's so bright, going to have to wear sunglasses all the time. <laughs> That's great insights there. I love that, that reference to that classic song right there from the 80s. And so let's jump on to the next question. Let's talk about the challenges. So what are some of the challenges that organizations face as they are trying to implement AI solutions? And, you know, we'll stick with Scott on this one. Thanks, Matt. Well, I mean, the reality of AI today is, first of all, there's a learning curve. And, you know, I thought Cal nicely pointed out early, you know, we've built a lot of automated and AI solutions to kind of solve the big data problem. But the reality we're facing right now is there are many other issues that we need to take a look at. As I said before, and I'll kind of reiterate, but, you know, the initial phase of AI was let's get to automation. Let's automate and make things smarter, right? 
automation has to be able to respond to a variation and a variable within the solution. The same thing for consuming data, right? We need to be able to take a look at how data is applied. So as organizations begin to look at how do I impact the reality of AI, suddenly there needs to be a change. First of all, 5G buys you low latency. I've worked with developers for years. I've never met a developer that built latency into their app, right? So taking latency out of the network, taking latency out of the world around us is a critical thing for improving the quality of AI interactions, right? We've gotten less latency. But the other thing that's evolving that's going to be a game changer for uh, companies as they try to implement, and the big initial barrier is the reality of edge computing. First of all, ask 10 people that you know what is edge computing and, and you'll get probably 12 answers because the reality is edge computing is kind of this amorphous growing thing. Just like AI was 10 years ago, kind of amorphous and growing, you know, edge computing is kind of amorphous and growing and what it's going to be is, is critical. But the reality of edge computing, and we're going to talk about this further, I'm sure, in this podcast, but the reality of edge computing is that lets us get the user, the device, and the data into the same physical location. And physical location is a relative thing, right? I mean, it can be geologists studying the edge of a volcano. Physically, the sensor is in the volcano. You know, the device the scientist is holding is probably at the bottom of the volcano, right? We don't want scientists standing up at the edge and visually looking down. We can send a drone over to, to do that visual look and see. Um, you know, so the scientist is at the bottom of the volcano, you know, studying the data from the IoT device. What we're going to want to do, though, is over time, we're going to want to have the scientists use the uniqueness of the human mind to actually begin to evaluate things that an AI has started to put together, right? So an AI will pull together, you know, all the sensors across the volcano, right? So that's literally all the hotspots of that particular volcano, all the different things that that volcano has always done right before it erupts, all of those sensors will be provided to the scientists. They can look at it and they can begin to assess and deliver a much better view of when that volcano is erupting. So the barrier to date for most organizations is simply that the application of AI hasn't been as easily implemented uh, all solutions as it has been for some specific solutions. And I think as AI gets more and mature and, and more broadly utilized, it's going to be a much easier application for customers. But today, it's more that it's very specialized in what it solves. All right. Great, Scott. Thanks for those insights. Cal, any insights there when it comes to challenges and implementing AI solutions? Yeah, sure. Sure. Absolutely. I just want to build upon what uh, Scott said. So I completely agree with him. So as the amount of data increases, and so, for example, aeroplane generates logs today around four terabytes of data per day, per plane. And that's going to increase to potentially even 10 terabytes of data. I'm talking about terabytes of data per day, per single plane. So as Scott mentioned, it's hard to move all that data to a central location. It's very expensive. And in many cases, you don't want to move that data. So increasingly, instead of moving data to compute, historically, that's how you know, the computing paradigm has been. We are now saying we want to move compute to where the data is. So you instead of moving, if a plane lands in San Francisco, you don't want to be moving that data all the way to Atlanta to process it. Instead, you want to process the data where the plane is landing. Same thing with, you know, if you have a tank in the field or, you know, a car, etc. 
So the key point to note is that people are looking for new architectures to cut down on data transfer costs to, for real-time latency. You want to do your processing or analysis in real time where the data is getting generated. And also for security and privacy reasons, you don't want to be moving raw data outside your four walls. So for all those reasons, it is now time and necessary to move compute to where the data is residing. So that's one of the major challenges they're having. Second key challenge companies are having is the whole idea of having enough data scientists and the way the data scientists and the subject matter experts interact with each other. So AI increasingly, you know, you need a data scientist who doesn't really know or understand about the area that, you know, they're dealing with, but they're experts in AI algorithms and subject matter experts who are really know how a system should behave, how an airplane should behave or how a car should behave, but they really don't have a good grasp of the AI, you know, statistical algorithms. So there is an impedance mismatch. So that is leading to delay in the implementation of projects. And it's hard to find enough data scientists in a company who can go and solve the problems for the finance group or for the legal team or for, you know, the product team, et cetera. So there is a need to simplify it so that experts can use AI directly or more democratize AI for the larger subject matter experts in all the different industry verticals. So I think we are at a cusp where that needs to happen. Otherwise, we won't be able to scale the implementation of AI solutions. And the third main area I think people are now beginning to really start to think about is it's the whole area of security, privacy, auditability, that whole area. Because what happens is that uh, AI, essentially, end of the day, you're building models. There are two phases to AI, the training phase and the inference phase. In training phase, you take the raw data, you create a model, and then you use that model for prediction subsequently, and that's called the inference phase. So the type of data that you use to create your model, if it is biased or if it has you know, security issues because some you know, a black hat has gone and you know, corrupted or polluted the data, your AI model will be not, you know, it, it will be compromised. So it's extremely important to see how that AI model has been created, what data has been used to create that AI model. Because if you create an AI model for traffic flow patterns in Dallas, you cannot use that in New York because the data is different. You know, the models will be different. So you have to know the lineage of the data and in many cases, people are not building AI from scratch. They use models that have been pre-built as a starting point, and then they use their own context to customize those AI models. So you have to know the lineage of that model, where who built that model, what systems were used, what data was used, right? For example, there was a company where the HR team was using an AI model as part of their hiring application, and certain groups of people were not getting hired into that company because the model was biased because it wasn't trained in a certain way. So I think those issues, security, governance, auditability, privacy, I think increasingly will become very, very difficult and they need solutions. And just building a toy problem, you know, in, in, a, in a cloud and, and showing something works is one thing, but taking it into production, industrial grade production and addressing these issues is a challenge. And I think those are the three main challenges I think most organizations are facing today. 
This concludes this Government Technology Insider podcast interview where we spoke with Cal Vorogumati, who is the Senior Fellow and Vice President at Equinix, and Scott Anderson, who is a Distinguished Solutions Architect at Verizon, who both discussed how AI has evolved over the years and what challenges organizations are facing when it comes to implementing AI solutions. 